Welcome, everyone. We're about to begin. Best is Hashem, BPJ number 41. That's Bayez Pnimi, Sheer number 41, for both men and women. We're in the book Eight Dates by John and Julie Gottman and by Doug and Rachel Abrams. And this is the last Sheer that we're going to talk about, date number two, uh, which is such a crucial date. It's something that Again, barring the traumatic, severe aspects of this issue, but the regular day-to-day life of things, this is a type of a date, or this is a type of discussion, to agree to disagree, to approach conflict in a more healthy way. People run away from it, and I want to encourage people not to run away from it, to learn these aspects, because once you learn this, this becomes not only not unpleasant, it becomes extremely pleasant, where you welcome, not you, not that you run after wanting to disagree with one another, but it happens inevitably, and you learn how to use it as a source of deep connectivity and connection by understanding the interior world of the other person, and discussing it, and understanding their inner world, and bringing to an agreement, and acceptance, and love. And the truth be told, in this PDF of differences, we could talk about each one and have a separate year and, and it won't exhaust the subject with all different pratim that are important. And Metashem will get back to a lot of them through the course of Pnimi Shiorim and other Shiorim, but we need to move on. But this PDF is a very important one. So this is going to be the last year on, on this particular date, but it's encouraged to look through, listen to these shiurim, to look through these differences, and to work on thinking about it and understanding it, and so on and so forth. So here is another one, the differences in how to deal with sadness. One person prefers to ignore moments of sadness and despair, and to problem solve and to get on with life using action, while the other one wants to be able to talk about sadness and listen to it empathetically. Now, what's important about this one is we're not talking about unhealthy ways to deal with sadness. So as an example, if someone is the type that I'm not going to get overburdened with with the feelings of sadness, I'm going to stick to the problem solving in action, they also in a healthy way need to grieve. But it is true that those people that are wired this way, they're not going to wallow in it, and it's healthy for them, and it's good for them to have that get-on-life mentality. For others, it's important to process that grieving. They need that process more. Now, at a certain point in time, they also need to move on with their life and learn from the other person to get on with it, and that's really the idea. Each one needs to have empathy for the other one. It's easy to have empathy for the one that's wallowing in the in the in the in the in the grief feelings because they are in pain you see them in pain and you see them suffering and you want to alleviate that suffering and you're empathetic to them and you try to build them up with it but the others that don't react this way that doesn't mean they're 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 less human beings or they're less feeling this is a big difference in the mbti by the way between a t and a f a T is a thinker and an F is a feeler, where the T is more intellectual. And people make a mistaken notion that if someone is a thinker and they think more in intellectual levels more than in their feelings, does that means they don't care? That means they're not a nice person? All of this is false. All it means is they internalize, they care too, and they feel sad and they feel grief and they feel happiness. But in their expressions and in the way they ex- express it, it externally, they, they're, they're not as expressive. 
and even in their in their in their feelings, their emotions, they know how to regulate, and that's part of what the way they're wired. But it doesn't mean that they don't experience that feeling um, as keenly as you do. So this you have shouldn't happen to anybody. But if 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 there is a grieving process of a, of a couple for whatever reason they're grieving for, where one needs each one need to be empathetic with one another. The one that is able to cope with it better and problem solve right away, get on with life, move on, that's fine. But they need to understand that other spouse, husband or wife, that's still in that grieving process and cries a lot and expresses their emotion and they're sad to be empathetic to them, to be empathetic, understand that world and to be empathetic and say, don't worry, and you, you 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 comfort them. Sometimes you just accept the way it is, and you just hug them, and you care for them, and everything's going to be okay. And and you and you work with them with that. But the other way around too, the one that's wallowing in that feeling needs to understand. Yes, I do need to also problem solve and get on with life. That's part of the grieving process is to learn how to move on from it, but not look at their spouse as being a cold person. That's not the it, it's it, it's just that they cope differently. And Hashem wired this on purpose. By the way, there are many people. For example, you have these wonderful organizations. And it's sad, Zaka under the when these terrorist attacks, Khalila should stop happening with Hashem's help, he should protect us. That they they when there's a terrible terrorist attack and there was a there's a, a suicide bomber, they do that very unpleasant um task of both making sure that 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 the victims have a proper dignified kavura and they work on those details, and it's a very very uh, unpleasant experience to do that. But they do that as a chesed. They sometimes very often have to deal with this talking to families about you know and and telling them what happened. All these real difficult things that these people do as volunteers, and one needs to understand that very often, in order for them to do that chesed, they need to be that type of person that doesn't always have that deep feeling within them because then they wouldn't be able to function. If they couldn't take the sight of blood or if they couldn't take that that suffering, they couldn't. They, they would run away from it. And who would be there to help that person? Who would be there to help a person that Khalila should never happen? Again, Hashem should protect us. It should never happen. But someone, chas v'shalom, ended up with a, in, a, in, a, in an accident or, or in some type of mishap where, where it's, it, it's, it's difficult to even treat that person. Some people would just cringe and run away because they're more sensitive. But then you need, indeed, that, more, that less sensitive, quote-unquote, person because they're the one that could take action. They're the ones that could really help. This is something very important for people to understand. That very often Hashem made it this way, different people reacting different ways. And do not think that 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 someone who volunteers with the Herakadisha type of thing, the Taharis, right? Talking about volunteers, the ones who volunteer and they do Taharis. Okay? Not everyone's capable of doing that. Yeah, people that are so emotionally, um, you know, feeling, and and where where this could break them if they're they're involved in tahara, it would traumatize them. It would break them. But you need people to do it. Sashem creates in certain people that ability, that kayach, to overcome those feelings to a certain degree, so they could take action and do those mitzvahs and do those chasadim. 
So here's an, uh, like I'm just giving one perspective that could give you more a fresh pair of eyes when you look. Someone's very emotional and very feeling, and they look at someone that handles sand, sadness and despair in a different way. They problem solve. They get on with life. They look like they're smiling or functioning. It looks like they don't care, and the opposite is true. They care intensely. But their way of caring is saying, I'm going to take care of the problem. I'm going to help with the problem. And so on and so forth. Misaskim, same idea if you're interacting directly with family. Some people are extremely, because they're so tabrachin themselves, even though they didn't experience it, they heard someone suffered an unusual loss, a chalila, a young mother with children, right? And all these things, it shouldn't happen to anybody. Some people are just, they don't know what to say, they don't know what to do. They, they themselves feel such empathy, which is a beautiful thing. They feel that empathy, but with that empathy, it, it, it sort of locks them up. I can't, well, I don't know what to say to this person. I don't know how to help this person. I'm so sabrachan myself. And it's real, because they have that empathy. So at the very least, when you see another person that doesn't feel, quote-unquote, that empathetic, but has that wherewithal, where they go to the family, they talk to the family members, give them chizik, give them direction, help them out in a practical way. They look less emotional, they look like they care less, and they care deeply. So this concept of how to deal with these traumas is connected a lot to the previous difference of how you deal the difference between feeling versus thinking, emotion versus versus logic, where when you have communication with each other, husband and wife, about your different approaches to this area, it certainly brings out the best in the both of you. And it's important for both to integrate each. So for example, the one who's extremely emotional, they need to integrate to learn from their husband or from their wife. They're different than me. They're they somehow able to quote-unquote cope better, get on with life better, problem-solve more. They seem stronger. So I'm not as strong. I'm softer. You accept that. You value yourself. But you also, Hashem is telling you, you know something? You could learn to take a little bit of that also. You could take this that you view till now as a negative. They don't care enough. They just move on. They're the callous. No, they, they do care. They're not callous. But Hashem put in them the wiring that they move on and they problem solve. Hashem is telling me, let me use some of those skills when I need to. When I know I'm going overboard, I'm overfeeling something, to learn from my husband, to learn from my wife, that approach that they have, because Hashem wired them that way, to learn how to get on with that life and use action more. And the other way around too, the one who is the problem solver, gets on with life, takes action, but now they're in a quiet moment and they're thinking to themselves and they say to themselves, you know something, I am this way most of the time and it's needed and it's a good thing, but I see my wife and my husband, whichever one, more emotional, more expressing feelings, and then you realize, you know something, I need to tap that into it too. I need to also tap into this. I, 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 I need to not over feel in that empathy, otherwise I can't accomplish that act of chesed that I could do, because I need that in order to cope, but at the same time, I cannot lose that humanness. I, I need that empathy too. And that helps as well. That 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 when this person that's on Zaka or in the Hatzalah or in Misaskim or other things where they're dealing with these difficult things and they learn how to do it in a problem-solving way, they also learn from their spouse, their husband or wife, who's more emotional, I'm going to bring a little more empathy into my wording. I'm going to bring a little more empathy in my approach as I'm doing these practical things to help people. Another thing, number 16, very important, preferred activity levels. 
Some people to prefer to be very active. Others are calmer, less active. This is also a very important thing. It's a misconception. People think that people that are calm or need more quiet time, that means they accomplish less or they're more lazier. It's not necessarily true. Or people that are more active, that means they're more uh, uh, It's also not necessarily true. Some people are more fire powerhouses and they need to be active all the time and they just have a higher tolerance level. They have a higher um, ability to accomplish a lot. High maintenance, meaning not high maintenance, I forgot the word, but basically that Hashem created that they need less sleep and they're able to function on, 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 on more, doing more and more and, and that's the way they're built. While the other one is calmer and less active because that's the way their personality is. It has nothing to do with their atzlas or that lazy, not lazy. They both could be equally unlazy. Two people that are not lazy at all, but one of them will look because they just Hashem gave them more inner strength or more ability to be very active, very productive, like on fire, the machines running 80, 18 hours a day. While the other one has the disposition where they tire out quickly, they may be more highly sensitive person, which we'll get into in a different time, and they need more uh, less. So between a husband and wife, that could also create a certain amount of tension. He, she is a big balas chesed, running organizations and doing wonderful things, and she needs to move and be active in, in the house and this and that. He needs to slow down a little bit there, or the other way around, and they need to work out a healthy compromise between the two. You can't expect one person to be the other person, but you can learn from each other. The more active person needs to value sometimes the calmer aspects of things. And the one that's calmer needs to appreciate, you know, I appreciate the fact that Hashem made in this world, including my spouse, someone who's very active and is very productive and very, very um, organized. 17 we discussed before, so we're not going to go into at length. It's the extroverted, introverted um, difference between the two. Some get energized by being with people. Others get energized by being alone. And if you have two spouses, a husband and a wife, where one gets energized by being with alone, while the other one gets energized by meeting people, there's ultimately going to become a difference in opinion. How Do we have guests for Shabbos? Or how many guests we have for Shabbos? How often do we go out with people? Even within themselves, how often do we interact? And how often do we give each other space to be alone, like we explained um, I believe two shiurim ago. So this is something to discuss. Eighteen about differences in decision parameter. Who's more dominant in making decisions? Who's not? In ambition, importance of work, and hashkafes. Twenty hashkafes is a very deep thing here, because because very often this is an important thing to know that within Taira community itself, not going to reform or conservative or whatever it is within our own. Orthodox Torah based community. The Ashkafas are so opposite. We said this all the way back when we gave the introduction to the Shalmai Shurim to begin with. Why it's so difficult when discussing certain aspects of married life, especially the physical, intimate aspects of married life, where the cultures are so different and the Mahalach is so different and Pais can view things differently, that it's very difficult. There's not one solution fits all type of thing. So very often, these clashes in hashkafa between a husband and wife, they need to work out the differences. Sometimes, like we said, the title of this shir, to agree 
to disagree. One of them is very, uh, I don't know, very pro-Zionist. The other one is anti-Zionist. One of them is, is, is um, whatever they're, it doesn't make a difference what it is. You know, the different ashkafas and the different things uh, about Beinam Lechaveira, about um, are we too uh, only expressing ahava to the children, only love? No, they need discipline too. You know, those type of Ashkothic differences, which there's again balance and so on and so forth, to learn to understand the internal world of the other person, of your husband and wife, and bring it in to come with a healthy fusion and compromise when they are mechanech, their children. I it, it is one thing very, very important, and, and we're going to be Messiah over here. So you're going to read 22 to 25 on your own. And, and, and we're, we're going to be Messiah over here. Before we do, though, there is a chapter summary. I also did it as a PDF that you should listen, read also. The idea talks about that conflict happens in every relationship. It's a myth to say that you'll always get along all the time or that you'll always see it the same way. And conflict used the right way shouldn't bring up defenses. It shouldn't get you scared. But when you embrace it the right way, it brings you closer together talks about solvable problems and perpetual problems. And these very perpetual problems, which is, he says, 69% of the time, that leads very often to gridlock. You could avoid that gridlock by that acceptance and the moving from it and appreciate it. And the key really is to appreciate your differences with curiosity rather than with correctness. I'm right or wrong type of thing. And that's what we discussed over here. But the last Nakuda I want to bring up before we end this date and this year is to understand, and you see this yourselves, and Mi'at Hashem, Lacha Esrim, your children will say this about you. And they'll say, looking back, and they'll look at the good things. Of course, everyone in life has the pluses and the minuses. We're human beings. But they'll ultimately say, and you see this in places of Shiva when they talk. You see this in places in Shloishim when you give speeches, or by yard sites. Or your uh, tell uh, you know uh, when they talk about their parents, or generally whenever they talk about the parents, they'll usually say this. Listen carefully, and you read it in the beginning of Svarim, very often, and in biographies, that I learned from my father these midas, these particular qualities, and I learned from him this and this and this, and I learned from it. It influenced me. It made me who I am, and it made me the the uh, a, a better person because of it. And then they said, and then my mother, I learned from my mother these qualities. She did this, she never did that. She had this type of way about her. And those qualities shaped him to be the person or her the person that they are. When you listen to that, what are they actually saying? Because very often you will find, if you look carefully, that the Mida that they learned from their father and mother were opposite Midas very often, which tells you that the mother and father themselves had to work through. It clashed. Sometimes it clashed. The discipline versus the compassion, the external discipline versus the external passion uh, 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 and, 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 and feelings, the feelings versus the intellectual, the Beidam Nachaveiroi versus the Beidam Namakim, and so on and so forth. The, 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 the idea being, though, is you realize how much you benefited from both your mother and your father, and putting aside the realistic aspects of some, you know, negative things that happen that you need to overcome and to learn from your parents and and correct some errors and move forward. But in every 
situation. You have good midas, good things that came to you from both your mother and your father, not just in your own gene, genetic makeup, but in their behaviors that influenced you in the most positive ways. And they were opposite behaviors very often, coming from opposite approaches, coming from different types of personalities. And you benefited as a human being from the both of them. So why not realize it? as a mother and as a father while being alive, or as a husband, as a, as a wife connecting while they are alive, to realize this, to realize that, don't look at it as a competition with fighting with each other, what's the, with the, no. There are aspects of my personality, the way I am, that will be the biggest gift to my children, and then recognize in a realistic way, even the thing that drives you nuts about your husband or wife, but the bottom line is, is there's nekudas in that opposite midah that drives you crazy. There's there's nekudah in that midah that is is being channeled in the right way and will benefit your children and will benefit your not necessarily always what how you gave over things to your children but how your wife gave over things to your children or how your husband gave over things to your children by this very mida that drive you drove you nuts by this very mida that made you bananas and realize yes they both need to acknowledge by the way when they're discussing these differences they both acknowledge and they'll tell, tell each other, this is healthy, that yes, I have this meat and it's part of me, but I know I need to challenge it, channel it better. If I'm more, uh, like say, the relaxed personality, I know I need to channel it better and integrate a little discipline into my personality too. And the one that's disciplined acknowledges also, you know something, I'm going to channel this in a healthy way to my children and in a positive way and in myself, but I do need that relaxed mode also. The introvert acknowledging, I do need to communicate more with you. I do need to sometimes go out to family members more, even though I like time alone. The extrovert saying, you know, I like going out to parties and I like communicating, but now I'm starting to value not only that you need time alone, but that I also need time alone. They learn and grow this way. They learn and grow this way. It won't crush your personality. It will enhance and in- integrate and make your personality deeper and and, and, and more refined. Now, Kaddish Baruch help. This date, even though, again, the topic, I just want to stress it again and again. This is one that seems like it's not fun. This is one that some people will sort of run away from. But here is a real, real key of really getting close and deep. And and, and, and like we say, shalom comes from not two people being exactly alike. Shalom comes from fire and water somehow with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the third partner, who is the first partner coming into the marriage and bringing the shalom of the yud and the hay. And that is what it is. The yud is very different than the hay. But Hashem puts them together. Same thing with this date. Same thing with this concept that we discussed in the last few shiurim. This is the ultimate shalom. The ultimate shalom is when you have the differences or the opposites even, fusing as a whole, integrating with one another, channeling it in the most positive way towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Bein Adon and towards the Bein Adon overall and certainly within your own marriage, within the marriage to your wife and to your husband. Brochen Atzlochah.